Welcome back to another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, joined from Miami, hopefully sunny and warm based on uh, what college football coaches are posting on Twitter, uh, Rob Cassidy. How, how's the weather down there, Rob? It's okay. I'm thinking about becoming one of those guys that uses the term scoop, uh, not ironically, on Twitter constantly. <laughs> we're gonna pass on i'm gonna pass on a comment on that and uh from maybe perhaps snowy austin texas is it snowing there again nick Kruger. there's snow on the ground yeah um you, you should have seen all, all the years all you all the years that i've lived in florida and all the hurricane preparations that everybody you know said that we should do i've never seen i've never seen a frenzied a grocery store more than I did yesterday and people preparing for a dust, the dusting of snow that we got today. It's incredible. Yeah. You got to get some milk. You got to get, uh, I don't know what else you get. What else do you get when it's snowing? Milk, eggs, batteries are, are always a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to have a nice breakfast when, uh, there's snow on the ground. Yeah, not that I've had a chance to see any this year, sadly, but, uh, Maybe tonight. We're hoping, fingers crossed, uh, that, that we get some snow here in Atlanta. All right. So uh, we want to remind everyone, leave us some reviews. We, have, we haven't been getting any new reviews lately. We were stuck on 58. We're trying to get to 100 on iTunes. So uh, give us a review there, hopefully positive. You can find us on Twitter. Or at least you can find uh, Rob and Nick on Twitter for sure. <laughs> Uh, my Twitter usage has slowed dramatically in recent days, but you can find me on Instagram at Rivals Woody. All types of good content coming your way there, so uh, be be sure to hit us up. All right, we have slow week. Isn't it weird that it's like a month before signing day or less, and it feels like there's not a lot of t- to talk about? I mean, I, have you guys been feeling that way so far? Yeah, everybody. Most of the important people have already signed. Um, I, I'm not going to complain about it being slow right now. It's it's nice. Maybe I'll you know between seven on seven tryouts and rankings calls, maybe I'll get a chance to you know do something with my life. All right. Well, we want to talk. <laughs> You're not going to do anything with your life. Let's be honest. So, so uh, we want to talk about. Uh, we had a major coaching move that kind of slid under the radar. Maybe because it's Arizona. I'm not really sure. But Kevin Sumlin, of course, the longtime coach. Uh, at Texas A&M had been mentioned at, uh, I think he was offered the job at UCF. If you're to believe reports, he interviewed at Oregon, uh, for their opening as well. We thought he was going to Arizona state. Turns out he ends up in the state of Arizona anyway, uh, with the Wildcats. What do we think? Rob, you used to live in Arizona. You, you covered that. I also used to live in Texas. Uh, so what do you think of the move? Uh, personally, I think someone's a great fit in the PAC 12. I think, the players there are set up well. So let's get your take first. What do you think? Yeah, I think it works. I mean, he's had a history of recruiting the state of Arizona already. He's done so well there. You know, he's gone in and taken guys like Christian Kirk and Kyle Allen and say what you want about Kyle Allen and how his college career didn't pan out. But, you know, the fact remains that, you know, this is still a guy that UCLA wanted and USC wanted and, you know, Arizona State and Arizona wanted. And he's same for Christian Kirk and some of the other guys he's been able to get out of there. So if you mix that in with the ties he has to Texas, where he's also done a great job, uh, it should logic would dictate that it should work out pretty well. Um, I would be willing to go on the limb and think that it will work out better than the higher the in-state rival made down the road. So that's a uh, that's a plus. Oh boy, you just got to get your shots in at Herm Edwards, don't you? I mean, it's absurd, man. <laughs> I mean, we can't sit here and like take this seriously, can we? I, I refuse to do that. Well, I personally, I like it. As I mentioned. His system fits well with the, the, any coach who's going to walk in and have a quarterback like Khalil Tate uh, to, to for at least one year, maybe two. I mean, it's crazy to think that they wouldn't be a match made in heaven. They've got a lot of offensive playmakers, you know, uh, for for everything they went down with Rich Rod there. He he did 
you know, at times recruit some excellent skill guys. I was surprised though, as I was going back, uh, Rob and I, when some coaching hirings go down, we we do a bunch of articles to go with it. And I went to look at, you know, some highly ranked guys that would benefit from the, uh, the hire. And I mean, in their 2015 class, they didn't sign one four star. I mean, isn't that crazy to think like Arizona, you would, you would think that at least they get some guys out of California or something. Um, but this could also open the door back up for them to recruit in Texas. Uh, Nick, what, what did you think of the job? I mean, I know you, you didn't necessarily get a whole lot of time to know someone, but, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on, on how things uh, are going to work out there? And maybe does this open a door for them to get back into Texas heavily? Well, I think the the big thing working in someone's favor at this point now is <clears throat> is uh, the level of expectation at Arizona relative to what he was dealing with at Texas A and M. Especially, obviously, everybody knows what the story was, you know, for him coming into last season. So now you're talking about instead of, instead of taking a expecting to take a team, uh, you know, to ten or eleven wins in a conference championship game in the SEC, you're taking a guy that has a personality that I think probably fits the personnel that he's working with already in Arizona, a scheme fit, as you guys mentioned, uh, to an, a team, a program on the rise where, you know, as, as Rob mentioned, we obviously expect him to be the dominant uh, program between the two powers in state as well. So, you know, I think, I think for him, it's a good, it's a good place to kind of hit the reset button. I mean, you take a look at, uh, you know, what he did coming over from Houston at Texas A&M, if memory serves, I believe he won 11 games that first season uh, at, at A&M. So I think this is kind of a similar situation where he can come in there, uh, you know, take take a talented personnel group, hopefully, uh, you know, make some make some good moves to kind of tighten up things, you know, with with what they got going for him on defense. I certainly know that they got some uh, all right uh you know, exciting players, you know, out of out of the state of Texas to to sign commit and sign on defense too. So, you know, I don't think the cupboards bare for him in this recruiting class and and I just think the table is set for him to to do as well as as could be expected, you know, anywhere else that he might have landed. Yeah, I I just think they really made the best of a a bad situation here. I mean, we saw, you know, how some other schools were handcuffed by you know, late coaching decisions or late coaching moves, uh, getting their guys poached away. There were limited options on the market. So getting a guy who's an established head coach. And like you said, I mean, I think expectations were out of whack at Texas A&M that led to his demise. But if he can win eight games every year at Arizona, I'd have to think that they're going to be happy with that. I mean, I mean, you know, obviously they've played for the Pac-12 championship before in recent years. And I think they won 10 games a couple of years ago. But, you know, a consistent, a consistent winner there uh, could go a long way. And I think they are going to have a chance to, to do well so we like that higher can we take a uh, minute to, keep- to, to acknowledge the the gusto of, of our boy Khalil Tate going on Twitter and just completely tanking the Navy coach when they were trying to hire him that was pretty great what did he do I didn't see so any- the rumors came out that they were going to hire the Navy coach whose name I believe is pronounced uh, Ken Niamatololo uh, but he runs the triple option there at Navy as most service academy did do because they're kind of hamstrung by the type of players they can recruit. And Tate comes in on Twitter and says, once those rumors start leaking that he's a serious candidate, Phil Tate comes out and says, I didn't come to Arizona to run the triple option. And, you know, that created a complete firestorm because, you know, how people like to hate players having any input on anything. Uh, and I thought that was, you know, I thought that was pretty ballsy. I enjoyed it. Well, especially since his reputation is certainly as a runner more so than a thrower at this point. Uh, I think that's that probably struck a wrong chord with some people too. Yeah, well, I guess what I mean, he's the one that's he's he's the one that makes that offense go. So you know, I think if anybody should have any input, maybe it should be him. I would be surprised if when uh, the coach from Navy leaves, 
I, I can't imagine he's going to keep running the triple option. I, I would be, I would be shocked if he didn't shift it to more of a spread type attack with some of those, uh, you know, fundamentals in there where they're still running with the quarterback, but I can't imagine him going to a school like Arizona and running the triple option. I mean, we know Paul Johnson does it at Georgia tech and you know, that's controversial depending on who you ask. But uh, well, it's always run, it seems like, at places that have recruiting restrictions, right? So it's the service academies or it's Georgia Tech where there's really high academic stuff. Right, but you can't really get guys you in. Can so argue it's kind that, of like a gimmick. You can argue that Georgia Tech is potentially limiting their, themselves uh, by running it. And I think, you know, some people, some Georgia Tech fans will say that, um, you know, because of their in Atlanta, I know they have some academic restrictions, but I mean, you know. Before we uh, before we move on, I mean, what do you, you know? You watch a lot of Pac-12 football. I like to kind of get your take on this. So, so looking at the Pac-12 South uh, in, in that division, I mean, how how quickly do you think someone could find some success here? Because it seems you know UCLA is in a bit of a reset. We saw Colorado take a step back last season. We don't think Arizona State's going to win more than three <laughs> three games. No, uh, see, I think you know, they Utah, will. I what, think they're going to win. I think year one is going to be okay. I think Arizona State can win five or six. I think it's year two and three that. The <laughs> it's really going to take hold that maybe our boy is in over his head. Okay, so here's what I think is going to happen: USC is established, you know, as the alpha dog, uh, as <laughs> as some people who drop scoop might say. That uh, they're they're number one. They're going to be tough to, to to dethrone anytime soon. Even though we've seen them have various hiccups, obviously UCLA is going to be a team that I personally think in year one they win at least eight games, maybe more. I just think the addition of Chip Kelly is going to change everything for them. And, you know, with the, even the players that come in, the guys they have on the roster, I just think they have a lot of talent there. They're going to be good. That's when I think, you know, Utah and Arizona maybe are battling. I, I think Arizona, because of Khalil Tate, they're going to have a chance to be good or, you know, better than, especially better than they were this year right away. I mean, he's going to have a full off season to work with Sumlin. So I think if you're looking at the South pecking order, that that, that would be, where they start out, you know, competing with Utah, who is consistently underrated, in my opinion, uh, and then maybe trying to work their way to, to keep up with USC and UCLA. It's just that's the tough part now for them is you'd say, OK, this is going to be a great chance for us to get into California yeah, and maybe compete. But UCLA is only going to be on the rise from here, you know, assuming Chip Kelly does what we all expect. Uh, and then USC doesn't show any signs of slowing down as they continue to dominate uh in recruiting so that's my take on that nick the pack pack 12 x pack 12 uh expert woody womack maybe that'll be my uh, next job title huh <laughs> um, we should all be so lucky <laughs> <laughs> all right moving on uh we wanted to talk rob rob put this on the sheet so i want to make him talk about it we've got wait not one not two we have three five-star quarterbacks this year uh, led by Trevor Lawrence uh, going to Clemson, Justin Fields going to Georgia, and then JT Daniels, who recently re- <laughs> reclassified. Rob, there is a mute button on your <laughs> microphone. Yeah, I hit uh, it, just just not at time. I can't predict when the sirens are going to go off. You know, I can't predict when the murders are going to happen down here in Liberty City. <laughs> number, number three, as I said, JT Daniels going to USC, reclassified. So the question is, we saw uh, – our boy Tua Star come in, win the Natty for Alabama. Threw Tua interceptions, I believe. <laughs> Did he throw Tua? <laughs> no, he threw one. Uh, one uh, oh, one. Uh, okay. hey, that would have yeah. been a great joke. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, 
he leads them to the national championship. So the question we have now is, and we saw obviously Jake Fromm do the same uh, with Georgia leading leading them to you know within one play of of winning it all. What do we think the chances are that these three quarterbacks this year, all three five stars, can come in and perhaps you know unseat someone who is ahead of them? Whether it's Lawrence, it's you know Kelly Bryant, if it's Fields, it's Jake Fromm, uh, or if you look at USC, I think. Uh, Sam Donald left for the draft, and I'm not sure what their backup situation is. I'll have to look that up while we're well, – I know Jack Sears went there. But there are players who have a head start on him for sure, maybe not playing time. So, Rob, what do we think? I think Trevor's going to be the starting quarterback by the time Clemson season ends next year. So, that's my first predict. But you wanted to talk about it, so what are your thoughts? You know, first of all, I guess we should clear that it's a, it's a good problem to have to have two capable starting quarterbacks on your roster at the same time. <laughs> But, you know, USC, Daniel's in a better situation than the other two because there's not an established guy that took their team to the playoff. Um, I, I, I am of the belief that no matter how good Justin Fields is in the fall, that there's no way. There's just no way you can do that. It, it sets, I mean, it's logic would dictate it just sets you up to fail. If you lose one game, the fans are coming for you if you're Kirby Smart. For I mean, what have you done? We were in the playoff last year. Now we've taken a step back because you're an idiot. You don't, you don't stick with what works. And I think Trevor's in that situation, maybe not to as much of a degree. So if I was going to rank the three and guys I think will make starts next year, it would go the most likely it would be Daniel. The second one would be Lawrence. And I really don't think Fields, it, no matter how good he is, and I think he's a great player, I just can't see Georgia. I, I can't see Kirby Smart, if he knows what's good for him, making that decision. The logic doesn't check out. It, it's a really, really high risk, low reward situation. Yeah, when we look at USC, they have Jack Sears, uh, Matt Fink, uh, your boy, uh, Nick, <laughs> from Rancho Cucamonga, uh, Thomas, Fitt, Tom, <laughs> Thomas Fitz, and Thomas Holden, who I think those two might be walk-ons. So, I mean, obviously the path to playing time seems uh, simpler for Daniels, but I do think, you know, Sears and Fink were both guys that were relatively <laughs> – <laughs> you know Matt Fink actually Adam Gorney said to us during the uh during the call he he referenced the the way some kid's name sounded and said he didn't sound like he said oh, I can just imagine the announcer saying his name on national tv um uh, Fink was Fink was only a 553 star so you know, you know I, I've had a conversation with that about people when, when we talk about uh bands that get inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame and I think, you know, and I look at some people's band names and I'm just like, what, like, you know, if you, if you really want to be destined for success, why are you calling yourself the butthole surfers? You know, I tweeted about this. I don't know if you saw it. I accidentally found a band on, uh, on, on Apple music called Elton John Cena recently. And their music is not bad. <laughs> That's what a not great band name. It's good. Yeah. They're doing their self a disservice though. They're never going to get inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame. What would you guess that Elton that? John Cena sounds like? Kruger? Mm-hmm. I mean, what would you guess you had to guess the uh, genre it's, it's so it's so hard to not think of that as in like the most literal possible form <laughs> of just like uh you know piano music with uh you know race car tracks squealing off in the <laughs> distance <laughs> uh, how i wish uh would you like me to play uh, you some john cena no, no we can't play it on the show oh, that's too <laughs> well we've only got three things on the rundown well, they're like an so. indie band i don't think elton john cena is gonna sue us i think uh, I, I did some research on them obviously and i don't i think they're they're hard up for the uh the, the plays i don't think they're coming for us 
But all right, I won't play I, it. We need to move on. I don't know what the anyway. fair use doctrine is. If uh, Nick, if you want to cut in ten seconds of it, that's. <laughs> I'll see, I'll see what I can do about that. Not, Let's just say so, you were completely wrong in your estimate of what kind of genre Elton John Cena is. Okay. All right. Google it. Boy, talk about having – Does it enough. sound like Cotton Eye Joe or something? No, it's, it's actually like – it sounds like one lady with an acoustic guitar singing like folk music. It's And it's actually not see, terrible. I don't know, man. I <laughs> <laughs> this is the worst episode of the podcast ever. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that tells you how much we know about. Welcome to the Indie Wait, Band I podcast. Had- I had something. I had something else I wanted to bring up. You know, all this time that we talk about Trevor Lawrence and Clemson and the situation out there. Um, you know, Woody. I know you liked uh, your boy Zarek out there, but you know, Hunter Johnson was a five-star, top twenty player in the country. We never talk about how he factors into things with the quarterback situation out there. What's? I mean, really, what what is the story with what's going to happen with with that whole situation at Clemson? Well, the way I the way I saw it shakeout um, and what I heard from people was that at the end of the spring last year they really had no idea what they were going to do Kelly Bryant had not seized control of the job and it looked like it was going to be Hunter Johnson and people told me the people close to the program told me that they'd never seen the kind of transformation that they saw you know from his from spring to the fall camp that they saw from Bryant and then he something clicked in his head or something like that and he he you know seized control of everything and took the job um now i think hunter played we saw i think the game they lost to syracuse it was cooper who was who was mainly the backup in that game he played uh the fourth quarter and you know they obviously lost he had his share of ups and downs personally i think if i'm him i'm i'm flying the coop you know i don't i I don't think he's going to be a factor there um and, and and like I said, some people I talked to said that they just weren't sure if he was ready to be, you know, the the guy who starts at a big time program like Clemson. Um, but I, it's going to be tough because you mentioned a lot of the players are going to, you know, probably support Bryant. I mean, he got them to the college football playoff. They were the number one team in the country for a reason. But it's very similar to Alabama. I mean, the things that that Bryant can do, you know, he's more inconsistent as a passer. He's a much bigger threat as a runner. Whereas, you know, uh, Trevor's going to be known for his ability to pass. We saw him scramble and run around a little bit in the army game. So he's, you know, he's not a statue back there, but I just think the offense can do more. And when you're talking about a team that's just absolutely loaded at wide receiver, like Clemson, you know, maybe they go back to throwing the ball more, much like they did under Deshaun. And, and that's the key. So I don't know. So, but Johnson just completely doesn't factor in, or does well, he try to transfer? No, I think he competes with. Tre- I think he competes for the job, and if he doesn't get it, he transfers. That would be. I just think it's, you know, people complain about these kids transferring. I just would never go to a school. I wouldn't go to a school, you know, five star after five star like like they do. I'm just shocked that they do it. We just saw Eason, and you know, but of course we could have said the same to Fromm. Why did you go to Georgia when when Eason was there, and then he took the job? So. I don't know. It's a tough situation. <laughs> Just because we're observers, we we sort of see how these things are going to shake out. It always ends up in somebody transferring, whether it's you know Tim Tebow and Cam Newton, or uh, you know some guys at Notre I Dame. In the past. I don't think transferring was Cam Newton's choice. <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> Rob's on a roll today. <laughs> I mean, that's true. <laughs> yeah. All right. Speaking of transferring. This is going to be a short episode this week. I can tell you that much. Um, Jalen Hurts. 
what do we think he should do now? This is much similar to the topic we're talking about with some of these other guys. Uh, Tua Star comes in, leads him to the natty in the second half. As Rob said, uh, you know, it's it's tough for now for the coach to go back on that and say, okay, you know, we're going to have open competition. And, and you know, even if Hurts wins the job, you'd have to imagine that the first sign of trouble, Tua's going to be coming in off the bench. So what w- what would you do, Nick? Would you <laughs> – would you stay and compete for the job, or do you think Hurt should should bail on the situation and try to find? He's got a red shirt year; he could easily sit out and have two more years to play. I think if I'm Jalen Hurts, I try to keep a level of uh, mo- you know modesty and try try to be humble because uh, you, when you look at when you look at every the the follow up from that game, you saw like the love fest between you know Tua and Jalen when they made when Tua scored the touchdown and they're hugging each other and this is about the team over me. And all that. I mean, I could very and, and and looking at the way that you know Tua plays and what his strengths are as a player. I mean, I could very easily see a scenario where they're going to have to go back to Jalen if Tua gets hurt, picks up an injury or something. They're going to want to have him, you know, back, uh, you know, as 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 the fallback option. And I could very easily see a situation where Jalen gets on a roll and and becomes the guy that he was, uh, you know, last season as well. I mean, furthermore, you look at the recruiting class to to date. Uh, right now, they don't have a quarterback committed or signed in this class. I mean, they they have to have. I I would think, given you know, e- even though it's a, we're all on the Tua bandwagon, and when I say we all, I mean Alabama fans will say, or the the nation at large. You know, they they don't. If something happens to them, they're they're kind of up a creek unless you know unless Jalen chooses to stay. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, you make a good point, but. I think he's got to go. I think if I'm him, I'm trying. I'm trying to. You know. Well, the other thing too, though, is I. I can't. I when I say he should keep a level of humble or modest, you know, I. I don't see him going transferring to another school and finding anything close to the measure of success that he had at Alabama. I thought they found a way to use him appropriately because he's a quarterback with limitations, in my opinion. And I don't think if he goes to any other program and says I was the starting quarterback at Alabama. Let me, you know, run the offense through me. I just don't see how it would be as successful as it was for the Tide. Is all I'm saying. I can see. I can see two sides of this. I can see how. I can see how he would. I, I can see how he would want to stay because it's not like Tua has. A, it's not like a Fromm situation where he has a body of work of a season where it's like, oh my God, this guy's good. We can't go away from him. Uh, one half of one game only buys you so much leeway, right? If he has a bad first two outings, then you know, Hertz is right back in there. Um, on the other side of things, you know, that's gambling on yourself and it's gambling on uh, to it not being, you know, it being a sample size situation where he was great for half and might not be able to sustain it. Uh, and then you got to get out of there. Um, I can see that side of it, too. I could see him wanting to maybe go to, you know, maybe a, a Pac-12 or Big 12 school that isn't as much in the limelight, uh, doesn't have, you know, a litany of, of highly ranked quarterbacks in there where he could go. He's still young enough to establish himself for two years and then maybe play his way into the NFL. So, you know, he's not I don't think he's in the same situation as the guys behind a from uh, are. OK, well, okay, excellent use of you on the two of puns to this episode. Yeah, I mean. I can't stop laughing over here. <laughs> so, um, a lot of the other stuff we're paying attention to right now, we're 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 deeply embroiled in uh, rankings meetings, uh, all types of uh, names being called among the rivals analysts as we battle. I didn't feel like there were any highly contested debates this year. Did you? Did you guys? I mean, we can just kind of talk about that real fast. There was no Miles Garrett versus uh, Deshaun Hand argument, uh, right? I mean. Who, 
anybody well if fields would have played at the under armor game we would have had a conversation about it yeah i think so and that was you know where's obviously where to slot jt daniels was probably uh the most discussed thing on the call i think but you know in, in my opinion yeah i just didn't i didn't feel like it maybe that's because we're all so tired but i didn't feel necessarily there were some i think there's some surprise five stars though some guys that maybe were higher on than others or you know uh the other way around and i don't know this didn't didn't feel the didn't feel the juice it was we weren't fighting we're all on the same page this year right we had a good consensus i mean you know <laughs> yeah exactly no good players in texas we've all decided that i suppose <laughs> i don't know how that happened <laughs> besides that yeah, yeah. I think so. somebody decided it uh, I don't know. all right let's move on uh as we said it's gonna be a short episode this week so we're gonna keep it rolling time for tweet of the week you subtweet people all the time you're nothing but an embarrassment all right so we've got a couple of options here i do want to start out by uh shouting out our boy ross Nanini, which, by the way, I guess if you tweeted into about the show, you could never have like a name like John Smith, um, which is Woody Womack here speaking of. So <laughs> our boy Ross, uh, who's clearly a faithful listener of the show, says, lame rant today on Commitment Issues podcast at Rivals Woody. People walking into a gym? Really? That's the best you've Ross got? Ross got a point. As a, as a fellow often annoyed man, let's just acknowledge you can do better. Step it up next week. So, uh, so he was ranting yeah, about so that's you. That's good motivation for you, I think. I'm, I'm Team Ross here. Did you Did you see if he had any, uh, you know, any any uh, what what famous rants that we could give him some play for? Or uh, well, <laughs> here's here's his rant that we're just going to go to the top of uh, Ross's Twitter uh, profile at three one zero signs. By the way, so I don't know if he has a sign business or. Or what? If you do, Ross, if you've got some signs, you know. Maybe when we do a live show, we can contract Ross to do the uh, do the banner behind us. So Ross says, I keep hearing all this love for Tony Romo as the next great announcer who should replace Gruden on Monday Night Football. I don't get it. Maybe it's my cowboy hate, but I'm not a huge fan. Gus Johnson or Brad Nessler would be a much better pairing with Sean McDonough. Now, Ross, <laughs> come on, bro. <laughs> I, oh, you get you can't have two play-by-play announcers together in the booth. Sean is a play-by-play. It's so are Gus and Brad. I got two things here, Womack. I, first of all, I've got a great Gus Johnson story that I really want to tell at the end of this podcast that I think people will enjoy. And secondly, have we ever considered letting the listeners record rants on their iPhone app and send them in to be played on the show? Mike, Mike. Well, I have been, you know, friend of the show Jeff Hartzler, who cannot figure out how to work his phone. To- <laughs> to download the podcast just texts me rants uh no, see i think we let them do it on a voice app uh, and send us the the file and then we can just play it in their own voice okay i that we will do that so if you want to if you want to do that uh reach out to us via twitter uh or email us rivalspodcast at yahoo.com which we we don't necessarily read that email address very much so that might be problematic that's that's why i'm saying you should tweet us and uh we will set it up now you can as rob said you can record your rant and send it in but you are subject to ridicule as our boy ross you know he thought we were on a break but uh <laughs> thing coming we you're not i feel like I feel I feel like Gus Johnson's really t- dialed it back in recent Gus is, years. Yeah, well, I'm about to tell you a story about the time he cussed me out. So you, you go you go ahead. Okay, well, I, 
the guy Gus Johnson is so washed. So we don't, we don't have to talk about. It. You can go, you know, <laughs> you go ahead and tell us the story about the tiny. I was uh, this is great. So I was covering the NCAA tournament one year. Uh, K State was in it, and Gus was working the the region. I believe it was in Salt Lake. It wasn't Salt Lake. And I was interviewing him for like a sidebar, uh, just kind of about Gus Johnson because he was becoming a hot name. You know, everybody loved his enthusiasm. And I get about three questions in. And like the fourth question, I asked him what I thought was a harmless question was, do you ever have to manufacture the enthusiasm that like, you know, the screaming and yelling is hard to manufacture that if you've had like a bad day. And he stands up and just loses it and starts yelling at me. He's cussing at me and I can't really figure out why. And then he's like, goes into this rant about how it's a suspension of disbelief and it's like a movie and you can't ruin that for the viewer. Uh, you know, they have to really think it's unique and, and, and genuine and he's yelling and mad, mad, mad storms off interview never runs. Uh, the next day we're back. This was during the practice day between like, they have the practice day between the sweet 16 and the elite eight. So the next day I come back on game day. And at this point he's dressed up in his Gus Johnson suit. He calls me outside and <laughs> it's like, he starts parenting me. And he's like, you know, I just want to, you know, I just, you know, I want to talk to you, but he never really apologized. I want to talk to you about what happened yesterday. Do you really, did you get a chance to think about it and understand why I did it? And at this point, he offers me a Parliament Light cigarette. He whips out of his pocket. I don't smoke, but uh, I shared one with Gus Johnson while he like dadded me about the journalism business. And, you know, you know asking him that was taboo and this and that. And he's, it was like a real lecture. Uh, meanwhile, we shared a, a cheap cigarette, which was, was really interesting. And, you know, that was that. Would you say would you say that his his him going off like that was like a a visual verbal representation of him no, manufacturing? No, no, he was, no, he was he legitimately mad. Um, there were other reporters around, uh, most notably Austin Meek, who works at uh, you know the Eugene paper now. I'm sure you read Woody uh, was there, and he looked at me when he walked off. Like, I mean, he was legitimately mad that I would try to like poke holes in his in his excitable facade. I guess. Yeah. Well. <laughs> All right, guys. Right. That. <laughs> that I mean, it was surreal. <laughs> the second part was the best part. When he whipped out the Parliament light and handed it to me, I was just like, is this really happening? This, this is what we're doing. Well, and, and speaking about a workplace hazard, I mean, that sounds that sounds like a bad professional decision. You you should have parented him. I mean, your job, your career is your Standing voice. Standing a loading dock, smoking a Parliament light behind the, what is it called? Energy. What's the name of the arena? Energy Solutions or something? Uh, in Salt Lake City, it was. I mean, it was really something. Yeah, it used to be called waste management. Uh, whatever. I don't. You know, they change the names all the time. You know the. Yeah. The, what's this? It's sleep comfort or something like that. Or you sleep train. Um, well, anyway, you really got to be. You really have to have a lot of confidence in yourself as an organization to name your stadium waste management <laughs> no arena. Because if you are not good. Whoa, baby! <laughs> All right, so there's your story time. We got a couple other, we got a couple other tweets uh, that I enjoyed. ESPN tweeted out this video, which I'm sure a lot of people saw, of this little kid uh, hitting baseballs, and it said, "This kid is 22 months old." And it was, you know, his dad taught doing soft toss to him, and the kid was just hitting the balls. Did you see it, Rob? In your baseball, is this feed? the one from like that was going around last year where he points the bat like a gun and like the celebration and? No, no, this kid no, is seen this one. just a little kid. Anyway, it got 12,000 retweets. Interesting. And it says this kid is 22 months old. And our boy Jaden Gibbs, uh, three-star 2019 from Tennessee, retweets it and says, so he's one, LOL. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> 
I enjoyed it. I just made me laugh. He's, he's one. The kid's right. He's 22 months old. He's one. Uh, you want to uh, do that math again? So, I guess he's closer to well, I guess he technically like is one. one. Well, you know, there's nothing I hate more than a parent being like, oh, how old is he? Oh, he's 486 weeks. You know, it's like... <laughs> that's, 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 at some point, you just say that. Just say he's one, like Jaden says. He's one. Sorry. Good job, little kid. He's one. Uh, and then I had one more. I had one more, but it's a little controversial. Uh, this came from... Uh, from a guy named hashtag rest JF period uh, at Q underscore U A N N. And this got into my feet a lot. He's from New Orleans. And this happened after this, after the Saints game. And he says, Saint, just like a New Orleans female, think you got something special. And then boom, she let you down. <laughs> Laughing emoji. <laughs> It got retweeted so many times, seven hundred retweets. So uh, yeah, nobody's lecturing him. Kind of, somebody should be lecturing. Him. And I thought some people would. I thought some people were going to re- reply to him, calling him names or whatever. But it's just a lot of laughing emojis. So evidently, you know, there's some type of uh, unrest there in the dating scene in New Orleans <laughs> between the young kids and the the uh, opposite sex so anyway i wanted to share share that one it made me laugh so okay moving on it's time for ransom recommendations and i'm hot today our boy our boy called me out didn't like my rant so i got all types of topics what do you guys got to talk about i got nothing man nick well you know my personal struggle is you know as as we mentioned uh camp and seven on seven season and all that stuff is starting to get underway Everybody in the state is doing stuff on the same day. I had like five people say, hey, come out on January 21st. I'm doing this. And I'm like, hey, I mean, you guys all know each other. This, this has been happening in Florida for better? years, man. It's always the same. Uh, yeah, it happened, last, anyway. it happened last weekend. So I had to go to Jacksonville uh, because, you know, there was five different events going on. And Rob could only go to three of them, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and so I went to Jacksonville to cover. So. Let me know, Nick. You need me to fly out to Texas. I'll be on the, the first thing smoking. All that goes for me. I'm always down to strap on my cowboy hat and make a return to Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you have it. Might not be long before. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. You're on the the, the, the Budweiser hot seat. <laughs> <laughs> Who's on the Budweiser okay. hot seat? So, listen, I got something to talk about with you guys. Now, we've all had this experience, especially Nick, who, by the way, referred me to go to a place in Austin and said, oh, yeah, there would be a line. And I got there and the line was an hour and 45 minutes. Was it, what was it? The barbecue place? No. That place, I walked by there and there were people with like coolers and stuff sitting outside waiting to go in. I was like, are you insane? No, just Texans. Is the barbecue food that good? What is it called? Fitzgerald's or something, Nick? I can't remember what the name of it is. Franklin. Franklin's. Franklin's. Yeah. Oh, Franklin's. So yeah, I said yeah. Fitzgerald's. I it was an F. Anyway, there were people out there with coolers like tailgating. And I was like, for, you know, anyway, I, I let's, that's not the point of my story. The point of my story is you go to all these breakfast places and there's long lines, right? It's just part of the deal. It's just, you know, I don't know, part of millennial culture. We go, we wait in line to have some brunch. So here I am, you know, we got family in town, wanted to go out to some brunch this weekend on uh, Sunday. <laughs> and... Uh, 
we, we go and you don't see anyone outside. You're like, oh, there's no line. Well, we go inside. It's super crowded right by the doorway because it's so cold here that no one wants to wait outside, right? So we, we wait. It was like a half hour wait. We eventually get a table. I, I waited outside, walked around uh, and whatnot while I was waiting. So we get, a, we get a booth and it's the booth closest to like the hostess stand. And more people keep showing up to wait. It is to the point now where they're bumping into the back of me and like there's someone is literally has their hand on my booth as they're waiting. And there's like this guy who is like six foot three and he's just standing there, especially like peering over the table while we're trying to eat. And I just was driving me. I couldn't even focus. I couldn't eat. I'm like, you guys want some? <laughs> These people might as well have been eating with us. I tried to get a video, uh, but but I think the food came right when I was in the middle of shooting it. But guess what? If you're wall or something, what do, what do you? I mean, they can't control the overflow. Like, no, send them outside. If it's cold, I don't care if it's cold. You don't wait inside. If there's a seat for five people, okay, five people can wait. After that, outside or guess what? Go somewhere else. Wow, that's a hard stance, man. Well, what would you do if you were the business owner? Do you let people? No, I know, I know the place that he's talking about, and it's completely out of control in there. They've got to do something. They've got to figure something else out because that place always has a line. It's always a wait, and they, meanwhile, they just let people saunter. I mean, it, I I completely understand. We do need widespread brunch reform in this country. Oh, no doubt about it, man. You take, we get it, and what starts with taking the French toast off the brunch menu? That's a dessert. Clearly, it's not a breakfast food. That is clearly a dessert. I don't know. It's dipped in eggs, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know. So, I mean, cake has eggs in it too. Is that on the bread? <laughs> well, what about pancakes? Uh, pancakes are fine. I mean, it's not covered in powdered sugar, and, and, and I mean, it's pancakes are fine. Now, Belgian waffles. We can maybe talk about putting that on the dessert menu. Now, I can tell you that when I'm in Greece, they're they're eating pancakes and waffles for desserts. See? They're not having it for breakfast. See, we're behind the rest of the. I'm telling you, widespread brunch reform. We need to attack the menu, and then while we're at it, we can build your wall or do whatever we have to do about the waiting. <laughs> That's right. Build that wall. Here's here's what needs to happen. The re- it's on the restaurant to put those heater things outside. Okay, that's step one. Step two is okay. You're on the list. Go wait outside now. I mean, we we can't. I understand it's not that cold very often, but we cannot have. I can't have people bumping into me. I'm trying to eat. I got this girl's fake fingernails. You know, growing. Did you, did you leave? A, did you leave a Yelp review letting? No, them I didn't. I mean, I didn't. Uh, and if you do leave, you have to start it with a pithy lead. Or these people all think they're so clever on Yelp. We one of our most popular episodes was the episode where I told the story about uh, my Yelp review, where me and the owner went back and forth uh, yeah. <laughs> on Yelp, where I ended up throwing the dollars in his face. <laughs> Kruger and I got stuck waiting on New Year's Eve in Orlando for a table, and they gave us a bunch of free sake, which was nice. No, that is pretty good. That was nice. Yeah, see, look, yeah. everything's everything's turning your way. I was trying to look and see what the last review I left on Yelp was, um, as we were as we were because t- I don't, I'm not good at the end. You know, I know you really hate it, Rob, when people say uh, when people start out their reviews by well, it's uh, like the, being, yeah, it's like they're writing like you know they have to you know they have to be so it's, it's like they're trying to write like a, a piece in the New Yorker and it's like this is a restaurant re- review, bro, and it's always so corny. Well, the last three reviews I've left have been four star, four star, five star. So how about that, huh? See, look at you. You're not all negative all the time. 
Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Uh, I did have one other restaurant story to tell. Okay, hold on. Let uh, me here. I just I just googled it. This place is called Buttermilk Channel. It's a brunch place in Carroll Gardens in Brooklyn. And this woman starts her review off with, "I promised my readers a few review of this place." Your readers? It's Yelp. What do you mean you promised your readers? You're leaving a restaurant review. This isn't a, this isn't a Washington Post. I, I who are these people? I promised my readers, you know, I, you know, I was going to start my day with the, with the newspaper, but instead I figured I would read uh, johnnybell.com's uh, review of Buttermilk Channel in Brooklyn. That's, that's what. Well, so, so what does she tell her readers? Uh, now I've clicked off of it. Hold on. Let me click back. See, because we had talked about, Nick and I had talked about doing a YouTube channel where I just read reviews and give my, <laughs> give my feedback. Oh, one star. She promised her readers a, a full review and boy, did she get this place the only reason we decided to stick around yeah. and eat at buttermilk channel was because i promised my readers a full review of the place unfortunately after tasting the limited brunch menu i decided it would be a waste w-a-i-s-t of my time to even promote this place on my website so she has a website where she fancies herself to have readers but yet she can't use the right form of waste this just all right i'm done i'm done yeah, well, it reminds me of somebody saying hungry or more hungry. <laughs> Rob will know what that's in reference to. All right, we're all over the place this week. I did have a pickle story. Did you guys want to hear the pickle story or should we? Go for it, man. Now I'm reading rapid. reviews. Now I, I need to off myself. Okay, so we famously discussed pickles on here before. My distaste for gourmet pickles, uh, how I think they're ridiculous, etc. So once again, another pickle incident. Not what you'd think. Adam Friedman, the officer, and I decide uh, in between a break in the Army Bowl when we were in San Antonio that we said, I said, let's go get some lunch. I'm starving, man. You know, I, I had walked I had walked one mile to get there. Uh, well, of course, Friedman, meanwhile, was making chastising me for being uh, not liking the cold when he had a rental car and, and drove right over less than half a mile. <laughs> <laughs> which his expense he, he rents he rents vehicles for the weather Woody. <laughs> that's right yeah he dresses for the pickle weather incident would be a great band name <laughs> yeah the pickle incident would get in, involved in inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame uh so anyway i order famously as both nick and uh rob will attest when i order a hamburger what do i get on it pickles and ketchup that's it i don't want any mayonnaise i don't want anything else okay oftentimes misconstrued as me being a picky eater because I don't want mayonnaise on my hamburger. Somehow that makes me picky. Okay. Which, you know, don't even get me started on mayonnaise is a whole nother topic. So anyway, the guy says, I say, I'll take a burger with just pickles and ketchup. Hey, you know what he says to me? <laughs> what are you, a child? <laughs> yeah, I'm on this guy's side. That's what the waiter at the restaurant said. And I said, no, I, it's what I want. He's like, so no mayonnaise? He goes, pretty picky, huh? Can't can't spell mayonnaise without man. Yeah, I said, I said, I said to him, I said, look, I said, I feel like if you need mayonnaise on your burger to eat a hamburger, that makes you more picky than me. I like to taste what the meat tastes like. I don't need disgusting mayonnaise. It's a blob of fat spread on the thing. Doesn't make it taste any better. So so we go back and forth a little bit. You know, he's being real condescending. He says, oh, do you want fries with that or you just want a whole plate of pickles? Just pickles everywhere. I said, no, I'll have some fries. <laughs> At this point, you know, I'm seething, obviously. Friedman's loving every minute of it. Really, that's the other problem when I get frustrated. You know, you guys all 
gas me Most up. Most other people would have gotten funny. folksy with the waiter, you know, because he's just trying to like be a folksy waiter. But Woody, <laughs> Woody just turns red and starts seething with anger. And that's why you right, are I'm ready. you are. Right. I'm ready to flip the table over if I could. They just order the – order the burger and then throw it in the guy's face so anyway i the burger comes and not only did he put pickles on the burger he dumped like 20 extra pickles on the side at that point getting the juice all over the fries you know so if i wanted pickle fries i'd be in great shape and then every time he comes back over oh how are the pickles want some more pickles how are the pickles doing you like the pickles to the point where i tell friedman i said if this dude asked me about these pickles one more time i'm stiffing him i got news for you Zero. Now, you two uh, – Rob, I don't know if you – never worked in service, did you? I bartended uh, in college. So, yeah, I guess I did. And, and Kruger, of and course. And man. So I guess that counts. Right. Kruger, you're a prolific uh, restaurant employee. What, what's your take right now on the story so far? Oh, I also worked at a pizza hut. That I mean, counts. this guy's really <laughs> – Okay. Nick. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I forgot about that. Well – I mean this this guy's really this guy's really pushing it. I mean there were a lot of, there were a lot of times where I didn't like the people I was serving, but I didn't I didn't act that okay, way. Okay, so he's yeah, exactly. He's pushing he's pushing my buttons. Everybody's enjoying. Come laugh at Woody the clown. Got to get him angry. Let's poke the bear and then when the bear bites, act like, you know, we're offended. So he comes back and sure enough, he asked me about the pickles again. And then I said, I said, I told Friedman, I said, I cannot wait to stiff this guy. Now, I, I don't know if I've ever stiffed a waiter, you know, past when I was, you know, 18 or whatever. And I had no money, maybe. Uh, so the bill comes. And what do we have? But a line that says Roundup for charity. This restaurant is participating in some charity thing where they basically like, you know, if it's 507, they want you to round up the 93 cents, right? Mm-hmm. So there are two lines, one line for charity and one line for the tip. Oh, boy. It's $11. I leave $5 in the charity line, and then I draw a zero on the, uh, the tip line, and I, put, and I put a thing. I said, shaped just like a pickle. <laughs> you are an unbelievable jerk. You got roasted, waiter, at this restaurant, which I won't name. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say rivals employees ate at this restaurant several times during the week and have over the years. So oh, I know which one it got, is. They've got their share of cash, but our boy, you got stiffed. I guess what a charitable donation was made uh, on behalf of you being a jerk. So take that. Another pickle-related incident. What is it with pickles that makes it such a hot button issue? Should should it be that hard? If I, he's a waiter, if I if I say I want a plate of pickles. He should be like, oh, okay, thanks, sir. Why are you questioning my order ever? Yeah, you know, the next step is them calling you boss to get one over on you. Yeah, silence. You guys got nothing to say? I mean, I said the next one is them calling you boss to get one over on you. That's how they get it. Uh, If they feel bad for being a service worker and having to serve you and you're being a jerk, uh, the way that they get back on you is to condescend to you by calling you boss. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, no. Oh, no. Woody's connection fails. All right, well, thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, It's been great. We'll be back next week. Um, Hopefully Woody will have joined by then and uh, we'll see you later.